I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, August 20, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What's on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket today. We had the old bandits in the heat of the night. We had a reversal candle first thing this morning. We have the daily chart of the SPY, which we're going to discuss first because we always like to know from the big picture perspective what's jumping off the daily chart. And then at the end of the week, we look at the weekly chart for confirmation of what we're seeing from the larger or bigger picture perspective. So what jumps off the daily chart? We'll get down to the other stuff as time goes on here. But on the daily chart, the first thing we have to notice is the trend is your friend until what? Until it's not anymore. What's the 334.82 on the page? That was the gap that we discussed last night. Here's the hourly chart. 334.82 is the number. And look what happened this morning. They came really close, making a low of 335.22. Now, they did fill the gap overnight. We'll get back to that in a moment. But they reversed immediately by the dip crowd, whatever you want to call it. The first hour of the day is, in fact, a bona fide reversal candle. Gap down, make a low, high volume candle as compared to the majority of the rest. Finished near the highs, and the market took off from there. Here's something else of a, let's just call it a teachable moment. It's an awareness. It's the way the market works. So we're looking at the gap left open from the close yesterday, 337.22. We know 337 is important. That hasn't changed. But now we have a secondary number, which is the gap. So 337 and then 337.22, gap left open from Wednesday And if the market closes hourly above that gap, that's a pretty good tell she's not going down. So let's take a look at what happened on hourly closes. First hour closes, 337.15. Here's a five-minute chart so you can see what happened. So there's the gap. We're expecting resistance at the gap under normal garden variety market conditions. But here's the thing. Resistance doesn't mean the market goes back to the lows. Resistance means... It's not going to continue going up for the foreseeable future. If we're looking at a short-term chart, it's just for the short-term foreseeable future. Longer-term chart, a longer-term foreseeable future. That's the way the market works. So the first hour of the day closes below the gap. So they have a little bit of a pullback. But what they really did was eat time off the clock. And you can even see, and this is how you know that all charts act and react the same way. Where have you heard that before? Every time, or almost every time, that I reference the stuff that's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, I say all charts act and react the same way. So here's a five-minute chart, and you're going to see something that we discuss on hourly charts and all other charts all the time. What is that? You have a breakup candle right here, 10.20, ending 10.20 in the morning. The low was 336.77. You have a breakup candle low. What did they do? They ran up to the gap. Then they came back to where? They came back to run a test of the breakup candle low, at least on this five-minute chart. If we look at another chart, we'll see another reason they went to a spot on a different time frame. 
There's always a reason. Being able to identify the reason is what separates the successful traders apart from the unsuccessful traders. Now here's another tell. When you see stuff like this happen, you have to kind of take it at face value and say, the market's trying to tell me something. What is that thing? Well, right into the end of the hour. So here's the candle closing at 11.30 a.m., the second hourly close of the day. What's the closing price? 337.24. What happened leading right into the hourly close? They ran up over the last, let's say, 10 or so minutes into the hourly close to do what? Close over the gap. That's a tell. Then what happened? They start trading over the gap and then they run a test of what? The gap. What was once resistance becomes support. What was once support becomes resistance. Last touch of the gap and they take off to the upside for the remainder of the day. There's your hourly chart one more time and that was basically the bottom line. It's being able to read the tape on a short-term basis, a longer-term basis, being able to put the variety of different time frames together to say, here's what the market's telling me, here's what the market's doing, and where do I know when that's wrong? When they get below or close below here, then it's probably wrong. There's obviously going to be some anomalies and some shenanigans involved, but we use the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, this is going to be the case. Back to the daily chart. So we had the gap at 3 3722. We don't need that anymore. We had the gap that was not filled at 33482. Looks like it was filled on this chart, but we know it came up a little bit short. What happens when they come up a little bit short of a gap down below and they turn around and have a rocket ride away in the other direction? That's bullish behavior. Not being able to get to the gap is another way the market's telling you, hey, it's kind of bullish. We didn't get to the gap. We turned around. They closed above some other stuff. And that's another way that you can tell putting all that stuff together. They didn't get to the gap this morning. And looking at the same thing in the S&P E-mini futures contract, this is the hourly chart, the pit session only. There's your gap at 3347.50. So you can see during the regular session, they didn't fill the gap. However, we have a situation that we've seen before. We had masks on, bandits in the night. There's your continuous contract, same number, 3347.50. Did they do it in the middle of the night? You betcha. Look at that, 11 p.m. The low was 3344.75, turned right back around, never really looked back. Now, they'll come back and do the gap during the regular market hours at some point, but you have to take this stuff at face value. As far as I'm concerned, when I see this kind of stuff, and we've seen this before, we've discussed this before, this is the market's way of again saying, hey, look out, we may not be finished going higher. And there's your daily chart again of the SPY. We're nearing the highs once again. We're kind of hovering around the highs. You have an intraday reversal. On its face, what's the market telling you? It's in an uptrend. They tried to go down. They couldn't do it. It's bullish on its face. The other thing is, and we all know this, we had a lot of traders get excited. They bought puts yesterday. They think they're in great shape watching the futures overnight, licking their chops, wake up in the morning, and it's not so bad. What happened? Next scene shows, unless they sold right at the opening bell, what did they get? You know what they got. 
They got a conveyor belt full of pies in the face. Until and unless we see the signs and signal of a trend change or a reversal, the market's in an uptrend, the trend is your friend, until it's not. What's going on inside the numbers? The pre-market commentary, right out of the chute, we're looking at the futures taking a ride overnight. Remember the gap discussed in last night's video? They did the thing. The futures made the low. We already talked about all that. So this is kind of setting the stage for the day. Let's see what else we got. Before the market opens, we have to know the important number. 334.82, that was the gap down south. And setting the stage for the day, still before the open, we have to have the awareness that if they do kill the market at the open, getting below and closing even short-term candles below the gap could have sent the market a lot lower. That didn't happen, but you have to be aware of it. You have to know the game plan going in. We show up in uniform, ready to go. Moving right along. Right out of the chute, five minutes in, by the dip crowd shows up. Early thought is they'll come back down, but we know about 337. So if they start getting above 337, no dice on the south side. Should be some early resistance. We know about the gap. We talked about that earlier, 337.22. So we've got the layout all day long. You got the layout before the morning coffee. So we've got the straight line up by the dip crowd. The gap will be resistance if reached. And a reminder, we don't want to chase the market because at that point in time, you don't know that they're going to get to the gap. It's 15 minutes in. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't closed above. They haven't really given away the storyline. When did they give away the storyline? The moment they ran up around the second hour to close above 337.22. That was really the tell for the rest of the day. Moving right along. 10 o'clock, we're laying out the thing. And if you're an active trader throughout the trading day, what I urge you to do is read the notes, pause the video, go back to the charts, match up what happened in the notes, what was proposed in the commentary versus what happened on the charts. And here we go already at 10 o'clock. Getting above 337 and closing hourly above that and the gap would put things in the just running a test shakeout operation back to business. That means it was a shakeout operation down south, a flush and recovery, a fake out, call it whatever you want. Market quiets down, summer doldrums at present. When is that going to be over? After Labor Day. Doesn't mean the market can't get wild before Labor Day, but generally speaking, this is the way it works. What happens after Labor Day? Put your seatbelt on. It won't be like it is now. Moving right along. Then we start citing what the next important areas are, 337.75 to 338. So this is at 10.32 a.m. And at the strike of noon... The market trades up to the 337.75, a little bit higher, pulls back. Not much of a pullback. Where did they pull back to? What's the low? 337.13. So they got back below the gap, stayed above 337, kind of split the difference. Showtime into the end of the day, straight line up for the most part. How about 337.75? Think that was important? Here's another running a test. Low, 337.77. That's how you know it's important when they run those tests. It's a validation or confirmation that the number is, in fact, important. From here on, you can pause the video, read the notes, you see what's going on. Just giving an image of what we've been discussing all morning long. 
Just reiterate, it's bullish. And then you can see what happens. You can pause the video and read the notes, but there's no surprises here into the end of the day. The next thing we'll do is take a look at stocks on the move. It was a quiet day. We didn't get the action from stocks on the move. Got one trade today. It shows two stocks jumped the target, but one hit the second number. That was CWH, Camping World. We'll take a look at the chart. Pretty standard garden variety thing. CWH was getting a haircut at the opening bell. Two numbers on the board. The stock opened below the first number. What do we do with that? We wipe it off the board. We immediately focus on the second number. 33.14 was the second number. Went down a little bit more, not much. Turned around, gave you the deal. It was a slow grind. It is what it is. It was a slow day across the markets. After the initial shakeout operation, they got back to a chop shop floating grinding market. Guess what? CWH is a base hit. We'll take base hits all day, every day. What else we got? What's going on over in Camp IWM? Same type of activity that we just discussed in the SPY. The IWM traded lower at the open. They reversed like everything else. And that's where all the same market comes in. All the indexes are going to act the same way when there's a bigger move, whether it's up or down. They're all going to flush out. They're all going to recover at the same time if that's what's going on. It's all the same market, not to the same magnitude, not necessarily every day, but the bigger moves, you're going to see the market trade pretty much as one unit. Is the IWM really technically doing anything different than it was doing the last couple of days, eating time off the clock, letting home base work its way up toward price? No, it's really the same routine. The trend is up on the daily chart. This is the weekly chart. Technically, the trend is up, but we know we're at a lot of stuff coming up in terms of another breakdown candle high. We have a lower high scenario. Looks totally different than the S&P 500. That's the SPY, not the RSP. Remember, the RSP is the equal weight. We have a lower high situation like we have here in the IWM. Now, what is a puzzle piece today is the fact that the IWM still finished down on the day about one half of 1%. So that has to be a puzzle piece and it's on the table. Here's the issue. We have divergences because the transports were actually up on the day. They were up marginally. It's more of a rounding error. We'll get to that in a moment, but they weren't down. So if the transports were down, together with the IWM, that's more of a eyebrow raiser than just one or the other diverging from the S&P 500. But nevertheless, we have to note it. It's a puzzle piece and it's on the table. Why is that? Because the IWM is in fact my favorite market leading indicator. The transports is number two, but they are a number one canary in the coal mine. And you see here in the transports or the folks down at the transportation department, they're making essentially a bullish flaggish kind of thing here. So as long as they don't break down, and this doesn't necessarily turn the market bearish, just comes closer to home base. But right now, this is really bullish and they can break out to the upside once again. By the way, get out your puzzle because the RSP was down 1.67% today doesn't mean the S&P 500 is going to be down tomorrow. This is an indication that we do have an issue going on. It's not the same at the top of the index as it is throughout the index. 
in terms of the stocks that are top heavy, the stocks that are being bought up by the hedge funds, the stocks that are driving the major markets forward. When we want to look at the health of the index, these are the kind of things that we look for. One way or the other, at some point in time, this will materialize to be meaningful. Today, it's an awareness. Nobody's talking about this. We're talking about this. Remember, here's the weekly chart. and we get closer to the weekly close, we want to remember where we are. We've got two hurdles to overcome. There's two breakdown candles that they have to clear in order to go higher in the RSP. Looks more like the IWM. Lower high scenario. I think it's uber important. Then you look at the flip side and the folks out in Silicon Valley just keep powering forward. Here, you look at this chart and you have to say, the trend is your friend. There's nothing wrong with the market. There's nothing wrong with the tape. What's going on here? Amazon, Apple. Look at Apple up another 2.5% today, right around 474 and change. Facebook up 2.5% today. Microsoft up over 2% today. Netflix up 2.75% today. Google up 2% today. Here's the reason why the Qs look the way they do. They're top heavy. We know that. Not everything in the index looks the way those four, five, six stocks look. How about the financials? Here's an interesting one. So the financials didn't really recover along with the rest of the market. They tried, but they essentially failed. Now, here's where we are. Breakup candle low, 24.15. We talked about that a few times this week. The low today wasn't anywhere near there in terms of the XLF. But it's going to be showtime pretty soon for the XLF. So it'll be important on the weekly close. What's going on in the weekly chart? Well, you have that same lower high scenario. The financials never got into this convergence of moving averages. Remember the convergence that the IWM blew right through? Well, guess what? The financials, which is a better proxy for the long-term health of the market. You know, I always say the market's not going to get very far without participation from the financials. Well, here's what I mean. If the financials aren't going to participate and bust through the convergence of those moving averages from a longer term weekly chart perspective, don't look for the rest of the market to go on a prolonged run higher. This is precisely what I'm talking about. This is not a pretty chart. This is an ominous chart. It's a weekly chart. It's longer term. Each candle is a week. Could go back and forth for a while, but the longer term picture is not healthy until and unless they can get above and stay above those moving averages. Without that, no dice. What about Smash Mouth? Now it was down today. They came into the 20 period moving average. Okay, still above all the moving averages. That's bullish. What did they really do today? Well, Check it out. Here's a breakup candle. The low is 168.03. The low today in Smash Mouth was 168.23. Close, no cigar, but close enough. Maybe it was just running a test. However, if they get below and close a day below, they would then be also below the 20-period moving average or home base. I would say, look out below. Running a test of home base? That's okay. At this point, getting below home base... Not so okay. Here's one we'll dust off. We haven't looked at this in a while. JNK represents the high-yield bond market or the junk debt. What exactly is junk debt? It's corporate bonds 
that you have to be compensated similar to the equity market in order to buy them. They have yields of 7, 8, 10, 12, or higher percent. Why do we care? Why am I bringing this up? Doesn't this also look similar to the financials, similar to the IWM, not quite in the same position? This one is into the convergence of moving averages. Here's why we want to know about this. It's another lower high scenario. Here's your high, potential lower high. This could be trouble. If the junk bond market sells off, you can bet your bottom dollar you're likely getting a sell-off in the equity market. What would cause a sell-off in the junk bond market or the high-yield market? A number of things. How about a rise in interest rates? How about bankruptcies? How about a combination of the two? It's another gauge that we can use. Here's what we'll say. On a weekly basis, getting above that 100-period moving average, these former highs, that's bullish. They'll run higher. They'll get into the 200-period moving average and higher. What they'll do is they'll test the next breakdown candle high right around 109, say 108, 109, 110, something in that neighborhood. If that's happening, the equity markets are running higher. This index is an awareness. It's a puzzle piece for the long-term stuff. It's always on the table. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.